I'm going to go out of my comfort zone here and tell you about a new initiative that I have created because I really believe in the integrity of this podcast and I want to keep it as authentic as possible and remain being able to offer you the most honest, open conversations I can. I also want to offer you lots of advice, tools and techniques to help you move forward while you're navigating this new chapter with ADHD. And as you can probably tell, this podcast takes up quite a lot of my time, my brain, my resources, and of course, money. It takes a lot to produce the podcast. I get it edited and to get it out for you every single week. And I'm not a huge fan of advertising and sponsoring in the podcast. Um, Obviously, I do do it. And whenever I do, I always use sponsors that I really believe in that have been curated by me and to make sure they are always connected with well-being and ADHD. And if I've used it as a product, I want to tell you about it. However, it is quite difficult to sustain this because I have to actively go out and find these sponsors myself, which also takes time. So I've come up with an idea and I will just put it out there and see what you guys think. I've created a gratitude link. So if you head to the show notes of this podcast and you can donate whatever you feel is right towards the production and the continuation of this podcast, because I really want to keep bringing it to you every single week. And I know from the many messages I get every single week, how helpful it is and what a great resource it's been for you while you go on this diagnosis journey and start understanding and learning about yourself. And as much as it helps you, I know this podcast has helped me more because I get to speak to the most incredible guests but it does take time out of my working day, as well as my kids and speaking to clients. And I want to make sure it's really high quality. It's great audio and it's a pleasurable experience for you. So if you appreciate the podcast, you feel like it helps you a lot and you appreciate everything it's done for you and you'd like it to continue, I would absolutely love it if you donated whatever feels right to you. And I will put the gratitude link in the show notes and um, it's there if you want it. And if not, Here's this week's episode, and I really hope you enjoy it. Take care. Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me, and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. And today we are talking about Ayurvedic diet, lifestyle, everything about Ayurveda. And I'm so happy to have Lauren Curry here. She is an Ayurveda practitioner, Iyengar yoga teacher, and passionate about helping and empowering people with their health through natural holistic solutions. And she helps people manage their health through Ayurveda. So she's offering natural and holistic solutions and support for chronic and long-term conditions. And I met Lauren, because I was so, I am fascinated by Ayurveda and I wanted to see how I could holistically manage some of my ADHD traits and symptoms. And so I thought I'm going to invite you onto the podcast and we can talk more about Ayurveda and how we can implement more Ayurvedic practices into our life. So welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Thank you, Kate. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Today, we are going to do a bit of a beginner's guide to Ayurveda, and I guess what the intersection is with um, ADHD and all the different traits and symptoms that come with that, because as we know, not one ADHD person is the same as the other, but there's lots of crossover with lots of different symptoms. So maybe we can just start from the beginning, and you can just tell us from a very sort of simplistic way, what is Ayurveda if no one's heard of it? Um, We've heard of it, but we're just not even sure what it is. Yes. So as we said just now, often people have heard the word Ayurveda. And I know a lot of the people um, you speak to in your community are interested in that kind of holistic approach. So they may have heard the word, but they don't know what it is. Um, So Ayurveda, first of all, it's good to know, actually, that Ayurveda is a very, very old system of healing. So the knowledge has been with us for thousands of years, actually. And it's from another part of the world. So it's from India. So it didn't originate here with us, but luckily for us, <laughs> it is spreading through the Western world and becoming something that, yes, more and more people have heard of. 
And I hope, you know, that continues and I'm sure that it will. The word Ayurveda is also useful to know what the word means. The word Ayurveda means knowledge of life or knife knowledge, or sometimes you um, hear it called the science of life. So really, this information that we're getting in Ayurveda, this thousand year old information is information on how to live well, life knowledge, you know, it sounds pretty amazing. And it is amazing. Like in the Ayurvedic text, what's written in there is amazing. You know, it's all relevant today, which is why it's kind of survived. The core principle in Ayurveda really is the elements. That's a core thing in Ayurveda. And what Ayurveda is essentially saying is the elements that are outside around us in nature, so earth, air, water, fire, space, we can also recognise them in ourselves because they are in us. You know, some people have more fire elements, some people have more airy elements, some people have very earthy kind of quality about them and these elements um show themselves and sometimes they're very much imbalanced and sometimes they're very much balanced in us and Ayurveda is this process of managing the elements within us if you like and Ayurveda categorizes these elements via something called doshas and the doshas are well I'll explain what they are vata pitta and kapha um, the language of Ayurveda is Sanskrit, so those words are not from our language, Vata, Pitta, Kapha. And these words, these doshas, categorise the elements. So Vata is to do with space and air. Pitta is to do with fire and water. And Kapha is to do with earth and water. So when we're looking at something like ADHD, the broad umbrella that we'll look at is the Vata, airy kind of energy. Um, and that's because... Ayurveda always takes very individualistic approach, like the way that we treat someone will be different. doesn't matter whether everyone's got ADHD or everyone's all got something else. The way we treat everyone is completely different. We look at you uniquely, your life, what's going on with you. But we've had this kind of broad um, umbrella category, if you like, around something like ADHD, Vata dosha, even though ADHD will look different for everyone and the way we treat everyone will be different. The airy energy of ADHD, that kind of movement energy, that kind of lively energy, that kind of mobile energy that we would associate with ADHD all comes under this broad umbrella vata. So if I said to you, you know, how do you feel about your ADHD? Do you feel that your ADHD brings you very earthy, heavy quality or very light, mobile, airy quality? I know that you would say, you know, it feels like a light mobile kind of energy. And that's why in Ayurveda, we can understand it kind of falls under this umbrella of Vata. So can I just ask, so with ADHD, we do very often have mood dysregulation. We have anxiety. Very often there's depression in the mix. So sometimes it can feel very heavy. Mm -hmm. So how does that mix? If you're sort of saying light and airy, which I can understand what you're saying, because we have lots of ideas and we're very sort of flighty and we're sort of always agile and moving. And we've got the hyperactivity of also the physical side, but also our brain doesn't ever stop. So how does that work when we have those moments of like the, the airiness but then we have the heaviness of, you know, the anxiety, the worry, the depression, the low moods. And, and do you mix the doshas together? Yeah. So, again, it, it will look different for everyone. So with everyone's different symptoms, you know, you may be focusing on different things. But broadly speaking with that, when we have lots of vata dosha and air moving around in our system, of course, we're getting this flightiness, as you describe at some points. But other times we're also getting this crashing and this perhaps heaviness and this exhaustion. And that's because the air energy, what we'll go on to talk about is how to balance this air energy. What's happening for something like ADHD is it's coming up. A lot of the time it's coming up in us and we want to ground it when it's coming up in us and it's having a great time kind of doing all this up here. And sometimes it's crashing. It's like um, we want to regulate it, if you see what I mean. So we can have the highs and the lows for sure. But really what we want to have with our air energy is nice, happy, balanced air energy. But we could be up here today and we could be down there tomorrow while this air energy is having a great time, you know, doing all this coming up. Really, we want to ground it. Um, so for sure, there can be highs and lows with that. We want it to be balanced. In Ayurveda, we're always using the word balance because we always want to have these different energies balanced within us. So interesting because when I learned about all of this and intuitively it feels right and, and what you're saying about, you know, the air, the fire and all of that, it kind of 
from thousands of years ago we we've always been at one with nature yeah and we are so interconnected and you know i talk about this all the time it's like the moon cycles and the ebb and flow of the seasons and we're a, an organism ourselves of our we have different seasons and cycles so how does it work when we as women with Ayurveda and we have, you know, every week's different and our cycle's different. And then we're going through the decades and, you know, we're, we're edging towards perimenopause and that's a different season. So it's like, we're trying to balance so much yes. and how, how do we get that balance? Cause it feels like we're always nearly there. And then something throws us off, whether it's the moon, whether it's our cycle, whether it's, you know, I don't know our ADHD. It just sometimes feels like, it's really hard to find that balance. Totally. And I would say, like, if you follow Ayurveda and you implement Ayurveda in your life, what you're actually doing is it's a process of constantly trying to find balance. That's really what it is. The more you learn about yourself and all of those things you've just mentioned, like cycles, seasons of life, we can look at Ayurvedically too and know certain seasons of life are more with fire, certain seasons of life are more with water and air. You know, when you're a toddler and a baby, it's more kapha. When you're growing, it's all about growth. So what's the kapha energy? So kapha is to do with um, growth, stability, structure in the body. So literally when you're growing your bones, you know, as a baby, as a toddler, you know, the, the main thing that's happening in your body is growth. You know, you're becoming, you know, growing your body, growing your bones, growing your muscles. And um, kapha is also to do with earth and water, which is why babies and toddlers and young children suffer a lot from congestion because congestion is related to that earthy waterness. And kapha is held up here in the body as well. Um, puberty onwards, we move into the fire time of life, which is not surprising. <laughs> Raging teenagers and hormones, yeah. <laughs> and then um, menopause onwards is more vata stage of life. So these are just very broad categories. So it doesn't mean, yeah. of course, that you would only have ADHD and vata stage of life. Like you know, your own unique constitution in Ayurveda is is completely unique, almost like your own how we would consider DNA. You know, to be a very unique blueprint only to you your Ayurvedic constitution is that too so whether you're someone with a little bit of vata and it presents in this way and you're someone with a little bit of kapha and it presents in this way it's very much your own unique kind of thing and um so really with Ayurveda like I said we're learning all the time how to balance and it's a constant learning about ourselves too so these three doshas we have in us everyone has all of them but where they are and what they're doing and how balanced they are is you know unique to you um yeah it's a constant learning process really and a constant balancing process I think but as you say it's really good because it you will look seasonally as in spring summer you know winter you'll look seasonally when you get into Ayurveda you'll look at stages of life you'll look cyclically so it just becomes a really amazing way of tuning deeply into yourself your health it's a great tool for that yeah, I mean, it's just, again, it's all about self-awareness and the more we are aware and we notice, you know, I think just from like a, a basic principle is like we start noticing our cycles and we start recognising how we are in different weeks. That just offers us like a bit of a guidebook to, OK, so this is how I manage my diary. This is how I manage my commitments. This is how I exercise or rest. And this is just another tool to implement. And I don't want this to be something that people get overwhelmed by and think, oh my God, it's another thing I have to do. For me, it's just another key to unlock. It's just another door that we can bring in in a way that feels good to us in a really sort of practical way. Um, would you say to get this very sort of fine blueprint, you have to go to an Ayurvedic practitioner like yourself to be able to really understand the doshas and how they work individually for you? Um, not necessarily. I would say it helps. It might fast forward the process a little bit. Equally, you can read, you know, there are amazing books out there. There is so much online, even on Instagram, there are really authentic doctors with generational wisdom and Ayurveda every day who post, you know, amazing information every day. So I would say you could start to get a sense of, of things by reading, but I would say it's the kind of thing, just keep going with it. You know, one one thing that you read won't tell you all or like of course there's the online quizzes like one online quiz won't tell you all but I say it's the kind of thing just start reading and you'll start you'll see something and you'll think oh and that might spur maybe okay I'm going to change and eat that today and then once you eat that how do you feel it's kind of something you experience Ayurveda I think but if you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner they may be able to steer you in the right direction but equally 
when we come to Ayurveda practitioners, often it's with a thing. So it might be with a, an illness or it might be around our ADHD or it might be we've come for something. And actually, it might take a while to uncover that. What I, you just said before really interests me is when you said about the generational doctors oh, yeah. um, and how Ayurvedic practice has been there through through the families. My mum has recently just come back from an Ayurvedic retreat in southern India oh, and it was a really rustic experience, like really authentic. And she loved it. She came back and it was like epiphany after epiphany. And she um, there was the local Ayurvedic doctor in the village and um what intuitively they knew or he knew was like mind blowing. They just picked up on lots of things. And I'm not knocking Western medicine at all, because obviously, you know, that's highly important. But I think she just had this inc incredible experience that it was so insightful for her. And I'm just wondering when you say sort of generational, is it in India specifically where it is just in your family and, and it's just part of how you live your life? Yeah, I mean, I think if anyone here is listening who's either Indian or grew up in India or, you know, has attachment or something's happening in their culture and their family, they will perhaps have grown up with things that are extremely Ayurvedic, either around food or how you eat, when you eat, what you do around eating, like these kind of practices that are, that are inbuilt, you know, in India, for sure, are very Ayurvedic and I've studied with um, my course group has been super interesting because we've had like many people from different countries and from India and people like me from England. And it's just really interesting, actually, because for sure, some of the stuff that I've had to learn as someone who grew up in the south of England um, was there in builds, you know, in everything some of the people from India do every day. So, yes, that's definitely going to be there, you know on various different scales like if your family you know if you have an Ayurvedic doctor in your family of course it's going to be there in abundance but also if you've just grown up in India some of it you know often will just be there around yeah daily habits food how you eat when you eat food combinations stuff like that and there's also often a knowing of like what to do if you get a cold what to do if you have a fever you know there's a knowing around foods what should you and shouldn't do so yeah and I think often Ayurveda um, is passed down through the family in terms of there may be an Ayurvedic doctor in the family and then you know some, one of the kids trains to be trains in Ayurveda and that's a common thing too um, and it's really you know what something I love about um, Indian culture the, the um, experiences that I've had there people I know is this respect for like the knowledge that is passed down that is a big part of Ayurveda for sure and some of that I think we've lost in the Western world in some ways, like you know those home remedies yeah. been lost some of the time. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's such a shame because living in this in the Western world, you know, we eat sugar for breakfast. You know, the amount of cereals that our kids just think is normal to have for breakfast, yeah. starchy white bread sandwiches, and it pains me because this information there that's you know from. Um, Ayurveda from India from all other countries that they intuitively and instinctively know even just what's you know a good savory breakfast um something that will you know really keep you going so you're not sort of snacking and noshing at like 11 o'clock in the morning and you know it's interesting because my um father-in-law um is from Morocco and so my husband's grandfather was lived in the countryside in Morocco and he had an olive grove and he was incredibly holistic and there was never anything that he didn't know about any medicine like you know plant medicine or anything like that and cold you know he'd put like salt water up his nose and ginger and you'd use chilies and he'd have all these home remedies that all the family know about from Morocco and we laugh about it but I know quite a lot on the, in this area and I know that hundred years ago they were using exactly the right things yeah. that um that they should be using yeah and so it just shows doesn't it that the you know you're saying Ayurveda is like over a thousand years old this is the information that we should be listening to and it's fascinating so if you're listening to today's podcast and you're finding it really helpful I would love it if you could jump onto wherever you're listening to the episode and leave a review a rating this really helps with other people like yourself find the podcast perhaps they are just on the beginning of their journey and are desperate for help and resources and this podcast can really help with that and if you are looking for further 
support, please do head to my website, which is adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. On there, I have lots of workshops, resources, information. It's both paid for and for free. My aim is to really help you and guide you on this journey and allow you to access whatever you can find that will help you where you are right now. So that's adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. Now back to today's episode. So can you tell us, so let's go, if people are listening now going, they really like the idea of this, how can they instill more Ayurvedic practices and I guess like food and let's bring in some um, acknowledgement to um, the ADHD traits as well. So I've just written down a few things that, you know, that I definitely suffer with and that's settling my nervous system and knowing when to rest um, bringing in sleep, you know, really having that downtime, that shift there's anxiety, there's definitely sort of like a hypersensitivity, um, a very busy mind, um, being able to sit down and focus, mood regulation, and of course we've got like hormones. And, you know, on the flip side, we've got like creative, busy minds. We are constantly connecting dots and wanting to collaborate and bringing in new ideas. But again, that's all very busy and it's like overloading on our, our body, our brain. And so I'm just wondering, if we sort of keep that in mind, what would you be able to recommend to people who are sort of resonating with those traits as well? Yes. Um, so the first thing to say is if you come to see an Ayurvedic practitioner and you have ADHD and then the next day someone else comes to an Ayurvedic practitioner and they have ADHD, you may not be recommending the same stuff. So everything I'm talking about is very broad stroke stuff. But because, as I've said, there is this link in Ayurveda, we can understand Almost everything you mentioned in that list is governed by Vata Dosha in Ayurveda because Vata Dosha is responsible for movements in the body. So nervous system, anxiety, all the things you mentioned, very busy mind is all this broad stroke Vata stuff. Um, but obviously how it presents for everyone is different. And Ayurveda is 100% holistic and individualistic to you. So you'll get for you but um there's a few things i want to talk about to do with the things in that list i'll start with food because we've talked a little bit about food already um so when we're thinking of some of the things in that list like feeling very restless uh feeling anxiety anxious maybe the highs and the lows the ups and the downs um we want foods that promote nice grounding heavy qualities to ground that feeling of um mobility feeling up here, feeling tired, feeling up and down, feeling anxious. So in Ayurveda, we'll often put the opposite qualities in. So equally, if we were feeling super slow, low and heavy, like we can't get out of bed, we'd be putting some of these more airy qualities in. But, but when we're looking at ADHD, we're going to put some of these grounding qualities in to help that energy live happily and feel grounded so that we don't feel up and down, so that we don't feel anxious, so that we don't feel the highs and the lows and the crashes. Um, so we can look at foods in this way. And this is like something I really hope people can take away from this conversation, how you can look at what you're eating. So in our life, normally we know, OK, broccoli has got nutrition and that's a great thing to eat. It's better than a chocolate bar. Right. We understand this kind of nutritional stuff. We understand about sugar and carbs and fats. But Ayurveda looks at the qualities of the food in a different way. So if we look at a raw salad and a bowl of soup, the qualities Ayurveda is going to say to us, are the raw salad is light and airy and the soup is watery and heavy. So straight away, if someone's talking in the realm of the things you mentioned on that list and in the realm of ADHD, if we eat lots of salad, we're putting more lightness in. There's more light stuff going in, more salad going in, more lightness going in. So actually the lightness and the airiness and the mobility and the anxiety of this ADHD it's just coming up here but if we eat a soup the heaviness and the wateriness is acting against that airiness so it's like we're doing earth and water with the soup so we want these heavy grounding foods in our diet for sure so soups stews dals and i know this is something we talked about when we spoke before uh warming foods with warming spices as opposed to salad which is raw light hard bit hard to digest so if we can look at our diet and we may say i have a really healthy diet and i'm sure many people do who are listening you know they've paid attention to it because i know your your community is very holistic minded but we might look at look at our diet and say oh actually 
the salad every day there's rice cakes so if you imagine a rice cake it's like one of the lightest things you could hold on your hand super light there's say maybe crisps and crackers rice cakes salads maybe nuts and seeds and if we look across a day every single thing we've eaten is light it's not to say there's anything wrong with that but if we understand that our ADHD already has this light air energy happening in us we want to ground it down with some soup stews, dals, rice, sweet potatoes, these kind of warm porridge, porridge, yeah, these kind of warming, grounding foods. Oats can sometimes be a little bit drying for some people, but um, creamy porridge is all right. In Ayurveda, we have rice porridge too, <laughs> which is a recipe you can get from your Ayurvedic practitioner. Uh, creamy kind of rice porridge, creamy things for sure. So it's a different way of looking at foods. It's a different way of looking at what's going in and the quality. So I would say to anyone listening, like next time you have your next meal, like if it's after this podcast, your next meal, have a look at what's on there and just have a think about, is this food heavy or light? Is this food dry or cold? So the other things that are associated with Vata Dosha is dryness and coldness, which is another reason we don't really want salads all the time I know a lot of people say oh, I love salad so I would just say to them fine that's great I would just say to them go in for cooked so for example if you're having a green salad can you cook your leaves in oil like a healthy fat you know can you cook your spinach in olive oil can you roast some peppers so we can start to make this salad like warmer heavier healthy fats also really very much in the mix if you think about say coconut oil olive oil and you sprinkle your olive oil in the pan, it's like very much a heavy kind of thing, isn't it, oil? So oil, I was going to go on to talk about oil as well, oil for sure, and healthy fats, make sure they are absolutely in there. That's really, really... What about ghee? Are you happy with ghee? Yeah, so ghee is like a superfood in Ayurveda. And if you're working with an Ayurvedic practitioner, they'll be able to talk to you about exactly how much ghee you should have in your diet. Um, it's super nourishing. It's super grounding for people. It's very good on dryness um, in the body. And yeah, it's amazing. I would include it in your diet. I would say like, if you're someone, for example, you know, you have high cholesterol, you know, there's things going on, work with an Ayurvedic practitioner because you want the ghee to be digested well. Like ghee is a superfood, but you want it to be digested well in your body. Um, ghee and dairy for sure are good yeah because I remember you said to me about the is it the grass-fed butter yeah as well that's right yeah yeah so ideally I mean as we said Ayurveda is a very old subject so Ayurveda talks about dairy and ghee and really they're talking about it coming straight from the cows very fresh thing in those times you know the cow that might have lived happily with the family or the small farm where there was a few happy cows and um what we have to recognise is obviously the way we receive mostly our dairy now is very different. So looking for the grass fed is important because it means the cows are happier. It means that there's new, more nutrition, you know, through that process. Organic grass fed, I would always go for. Unfortunately, just because of the times we're living in, you know, the stuff we get off the supermarket shelf probably isn't grass fed. It's hard to find, actually, Yeah, because I, I sent my husband this list after our, our chat because he lives, he works near the supermarkets. So I said, can you get these things? And it was literally, he was like, what, you've given me the most complicated list ever, like all these different things, because I, I basically we'd had our conversation and I wrote down loads of things. And he said, is this like some form of challenge? <laughs> is this like a supermarket sweet challenge? Anyway, he got he got most of them but he said it was really hard to find the grass-fed butter but I mean it was just delicious it was like a treat I had it on like this sourdough bread and was just like this is just the nicest thing yeah but I'm just thinking about people who have like dairy intolerances or dairy you know allergies because that again you know allergies inflammation that type of thing is very common with ADHD yes Um, especially gut problems IBS and so it kind of you know it's like conflicting isn't it because we want this type of, um, you know, these ingredients, but if we've got intolerances, what do we do? Yeah, and I can speak really well to this because I have had a dairy intolerance, which I've sorted out with Ayurveda. Um, so in that case, I would say if you're someone who is struggling with a lot of gut issues, I'm really glad you brought it up, actually, Kate, because gut health is um core thing in Ayurveda, absolutely core. Whatever you go and go to your Ayurveda practitioner for, your gut health will also be treated in the mix. And that's because as we are starting to realise more and more in 2023 and in the Western world, 
gut health is everything. Like gut health affects everything. And Ayurveda knew this thousands of years ago. So if you are struggling in a big way with your gut health, I would recommend going to Ayurveda practitioner there. And there's many supportive things you can do in terms of food combinations, in terms of maybe looking at taking some Ayurvedic herbs to support your digestion initially. Um, and that, of course, has a knock on effect with how you feel on a day to day basis. So that's something I would definitely recommend. That's where maybe a bit more guidance could, could come in from your Ayurveda practitioner. But if you're not able to do that or not going to do that, I wouldn't recommend eating loads of dairy if you know you can't tolerate it. But I would recommend having a think about, OK, well, what other heavier, gra nice granny foods can I get in? So a soup is always good, like a vegetable soup or a chicken soup is always a good shout that doesn't have to be full of dairy but I would say yeah if you want to address your gut health I speak as someone who tried to address mine for a long time with various different modalities and various different people and Ayurveda was the place I actually addressed it like all my things are now gone um but it took me a long time to get there Ayurveda again is able to slightly differently address it talks directly to your system you know I took probiotics and I don't have anything against any of it but I went through different phases with mine and the thing that actually worked was Ayurveda so I'd recommend it any gut problems and the knock-on effect that they're having like you say for people with ADHD it's common because your gut health affects everything so yeah I would recommend seeing someone for sure. Okay and again you know after our, our conversation I was making a lot more soup you know and actually for me to get um vegetables down my kids is quite hard mm. um and it's all raw i mean if i give them any form of cooked vegetable it's just like uh but they will have soup and they always ask me what soup it is i think i've talked about this before on the podcast and they they have to know and i'm like i don't want to tell them what's in the soup <laughs> so i'm just like it's nice soup and they go well what's in there and i'm just like vegetables that you like and then they just won't let up so i go potato soup because it's <laughs> and they're looking it's like bright green and it's not potatoes um but i i do and, and that is a way because you know i've got adhd kids as well and um i i kind of think okay if i can just get some soup and some toast down them then i know that they've had something nourishing that day it doesn't happen it doesn't happen very often but you know if they will they will eat it mostly yeah um but that salad thing was a bit of a revelation but again I'm quite seasonal and in the in the winter I don't want to eat a cold salad and I don't want to have um like rice crackers and and cold things I do want something like hearty like a dal and I'm obsessed with anything you know Indian food um you know it's always there all my curry spices all my Indian spices are just like there and I just throw it all in so I'm sort of lucky that the my taste buds are aligned to, to this you know this type of food anyway but then come the summer and you know and it's a summer's evening and I probably will make a lot more salads so what do we do in that situation where sort of seasonally we're drawn to the cold crunchy um airy type food yes and as we mentioned Ayurveda is very much placing us back into nature because of course we are part of nature and the elements are in us and outside of us so interestingly in the summer um, when we look at our digestive ability ayurvedically our digestive ability or our digestive fire as it gets called is strongest in the winter so it makes sense that intuitively we crave the heavy foods in the winter not only because we're trying to keep warm but that extra internal heat that we get fires up our digestive ability if you like and come the summer our digestive ability is a little bit lower in that heat like it's the weakest time for your digestive ability if you like so it makes sense that we also crave lighter foods then um, so I would say in this realm of Vata and ADHD, I wouldn't recommend lots of salads. But if you happen to be out having a salad and it's a really hot day, I would just think about, OK, so what can we do around this salad to make it more Ayurvedically friendly to our Vata and our ADHD? So maybe olive oil, maybe some fats. Maybe it's herbs and spices because herbs and spices are always good. Like you just mentioned, they're always good for digestion and warmth for your Vata energy. So maybe we can sprinkle some fresh coriander on it or some fresh mint in the summer. We love. Yeah, we've got so we could sprinkle a little bit of cumin on there, even something I would just say to help it be friendly to our digestive fire, but also just to warm it up a little bit with a little sprinkle of cumin is a really nice thing to do. Um, so, yeah, those are the ways I'd probably address the. And what about things like making our own hummus like? 
is with chickpeas and tahina and is that the type of thing that you'd you know recommend as well like you know, I know we want to bring lots of lentils and stuff but if there's different ways you can bring it in yeah would you recommend yeah it, I mean Ayurvedically making things from scratch is always just a wonderful thing to do I mean there's a lot in Ayurveda around enjoying that process you know enjoying making food you know if you're lucky enough to have time to make your own hummus I would absolutely suggest doing that for sure getting the chickpeas in getting the lentils in is great I mean like probably a lot of people you speak to on this podcast around food and holistic health there's a big coming back to like cooking fresh food because we've gone so I know many people's lifestyles don't allow it but we have gone so far away again like the nature thing from cooking you know many of us don't have time to cook in the day many of us don't have time to make things freshly and for me personally on the digestive health journey that's been a game changer just really returning back to making things from scratch enjoying the process of cooking enjoying eating fresh food there is so much to be said for that and I also would say around vata um, I know many people's lives will present many challenges in this way but if you are able to find time to cook sit down and eat you know that is a grounding process in itself many of us are eating on the go and yeah that for sure can be a big deal you know if you can sit down and eat your lunch sit down and eat your evening meal in a calm you know environment or with with a family member or a friend this is something that again we've lost a bit in our culture sometimes that is very much retained maybe in some Indian cultures still you know is a big part of things but actually we're here like eating our baguette in the street or whatever it is you know rushing down the road eating our banana on the go in the morning and these are the things for me for sure that I've come back to I basically that may have made a big difference yeah yeah I mean it's such common sense isn't it I mean at the end of the day it's like what's going to be more pleasurable sitting down and eating slowly and mindfully with intention with a family member um you know creating you know having a conversation and just slowing down or like you say, rushing around on the go, you know, buying shop bought food. I mean, it's just, we don't need, you know, an expert to tell us this. We we know, but it's being intentional about making those choices of like, okay, I, I suffer with anxiety. Um, I find it hard to settle. It's like, okay, what can I do? What intentional lifestyle choices now can I stop bringing in? Can I just sit down and have my meal not in front of the TV? Yes. Can I sit and have a conversation? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, really very small but I think it can make a big difference because that slowing down energy feeds into so much you know like if we go into um if we move away from food and we talk about like sleep and rest and calm these are all sort of Ayurvedic principles that you work with as well and I guess what would you for a vata dosha what would you suggest from a lifestyle perspective yeah I'm really glad you've mentioned it Kate because um this concept of routine or daily routine comes up a lot in Ayurveda and routine for sure for Vata Dosha and maybe ADHD can be really tricky. Like people with a lot of Vata Dosha have that creative energy often you've mentioned often where you're like, you know, spontaneous and creative and routine feels like, well, I don't really want any of that necessarily, you know, but it's actually very grounding for that airy energy. So if we have got this airy energy coming up and this airy energy is kind of doing all this different stuff in us it's like um, a little protective layer around it sometimes if we can have even one thing in our day that's routine help just keep this airiness contained and that could be so I often say to people with maybe vata or in this realm is there one thing in your day that you could do at the same time every day so for example it might be okay eat my lunch every day at 1 p.m or it might be have a cup of tea every day at 9 a.m. or whatever it is. But is there one thing you can start to have happen in your day every single day? And even this alone, this kind of small, as you say, small thing could be very small thing, could literally be a cup of tea. But can I do it every day at 10 a.m.? Starts to help us feel a little bit more grounded. And in terms of sleep, you know, again, you don't need an expert to tell you this, but going to sleep at the same time every night is important. Ayurveda very much recognises in the clock of the you know 24-hour clock, going to sleep by 10 a.m. is a great thing to do. The sleep you get, you know, 10 a.m. till um, 2 a.m. is really nourishing the good. You mean 10 p.m.? Sorry, 10 p.m. Yeah, 10 <laughs> from 10 p.m. onwards. Or have a nap, have a nap at 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from 10 p.m. onwards, 
is you know a great time to be asleep and often like people with vata might say oh you know well I was up really late that night and then the next night I was in bed at eight and then you know because it can be that you know you're very spontaneous that's the nature of vata so is there something you can look at around that where I'm like right I will go to bed at the same time every night and even that kind of thing is helpful and I'm glad you mentioned rest too because something I think is very interesting is often you will get people say all right well let's all do meditation or let's all sit still and lay down and like, you know, everything will be fine. But I'm well aware that if there's a lot of vata dosha going on, sitting down and just meditating can be a very hard thing to do for some people because there's a lot going on. Your mind is very busy or maybe there's anxiety or maybe there's, maybe you're exhausted. So I think, I mean, I practice yoga, but I would shout out yoga here to people in terms of doing something with your body that affects your mind. Like that's what yoga is for it's doing something with your body to affect your mind so I would say if you're someone who thinks I'd really like to rest more I would really like to feel less tired you know the yoga is a good way to get to that meditative state of mind if you like if what's the what's the yoga that you practice what is a younger Iyengar yoga um Iyengar is the guy who kind of one of the guys credited to break who brought yoga out from India in the 60s 70s to the western world he spent lots of time here teaching lots of westerners and um so really it's a method around him it's known for alignment it's applied very therapeutically so like you could get people go there go to iang yoga with adhd and there'll be a specialized program for them or you could go for something else and be a specialized program for them so it's quite ayurvedic in some ways in terms of being able to apply directly to you it's very very much own individual practice rather than just one sequence for all it's very much like practicing in a way that suits you and even you know over the months like there's different practice to do for menstruation all sorts of stuff like that um yeah so I would really recommend it in terms of you might be someone who meditates fine and that's amazing but if you're someone that struggles to sit let alone do the meditation I would and you're thinking you know you want to feel more rested I would recommend yoga in that sense because you concentrate on your body and then your mind hasn't had a chance to think about. Totally. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that is exactly why I love yoga. I mean, I love the stretching. I love the feeling that it gives me to stretch out my body and move my body. But the only time I can really lie there and meditate properly is the Shavasana afterwards, because it's just done something, all all the movement and everything, it's just enabled me to quieten my mind. So when I get to that point of lying down on, on the mat at the end, it's like, actually, all I want to do is just kind of zone out and, and not think about things. It's so powerful for people with ADHD. And it doesn't have to be this kind of crazy physical, you know, yoga practice where, you know, you're in a hot room sweating. I mean, if that's your bag, great. But for me, restorative yoga, where it's like, slow intentional lots of stretching lots of breathing is just the best thing for my mind um yeah I love it that makes a lot of sense I mean stillness is the ultimate antidote to this vata if you like but as I'm saying it's all well and good saying I'll lie down and be still but often that's a very very hard thing to do so I would absolutely shout out yoga and as you're saying restorative yoga for sure because even though you may feel like you can't lay on the floor and be still the positions you put yourself in in the restorative yoga are helping you to achieve that that stillness if you like yeah I would really recommend it for anyone it's like a grounding in your own body especially if it is more grounding yoga practice Iyengar obviously the one that I do is a very grounding practice and this word grounding around the vata is always what we want so yeah it's amazing and then would you say sort of like again anything grounding obviously we know being out in nature um anything like that is is super grounding like being barefoot on the grass what other ways would you say that we can bring in sort of physical wise outside um you know anything that if we're having a super busy day and we just want to have like a grounding practice you know even if we're working in a busy office and there's artificial lights and air conditioning and you know I know how overstimulating and difficult that is with for people with ADHD you know their nervous system is like totally wired um, and they just need a practice to ground themselves what would you recommend there's a couple of things I'd say um going out in nature for sure you know you'll definitely have had people say that before on this podcast but walking in nature not necessarily running all nature is good but I would say walking in nature is 
the one we want. You know, the walking, we can be mindful. We're not firing anything else up when we walk. We're just walking and being. And nature does does it for you, for sure. You know, just getting outside away from the artificial light. But secondly, I really wanted to talk about oil massage. I really wanted to mention it on this podcast. As we said before, oil is grounding. Um, in our diet, we want to make sure we've got the healthy fats, which tend to have oily consistency. So that we've said. But for sure, we want to be oiling ourselves inside and out Ayurvedically for Vata Dosha. So we've got it in the diet. But um, there's a practice in Ayurveda called Abhyanga, which is oils massage, self-oil massage. Or you can go and get an oil massage. And your mum will have had that done in India, I'm sure. When she did. She loved it. And uh, it's very healing. But here's what we should know about it, which is a really um, nice thing. The word for oil, the Sanskrit word for oil, so the language of Ayurveda is not English, it's Sanskrit, is sneha, which means love. So it means oil, but it also means love. So this self-massage is very much seen as like a self-love kind of practice. Massaging warm oil into your skin, into your limbs is very much seen as something, you know, to be uh, attuned to you for a few moments you know like you're just saying what can someone do to take 10 minutes out of their day I would recommend doing oils massage on your limbs on your chest if you're feeling anxious on your chest the, the warm oil on your chest can be amazing on your feet it's super grounding um Ayurveda really recognizes something that we know that the skin is an organ so you know things to the skin does have big effects and big impact and I know we I sent you a link to an oil which is a vata specific oil which um yeah I wanted you to talk about that because um even I might just put that in the link to the show notes because that oil has been amazing um I've used it on my daughter and we're doing reading on the couch and I'll give her little feet a massage with the oil and she loves it. She's just like super zen and calm. And then I put her to bed and she just absolutely loves that oil foot massage. I'm jealous. I'm like, can I have one? Yeah. Um, taking it to um, a masseuse before. I've taken it to my reflexologist um, because I have recognized that for me, it's not a luxury to have, you know, a massage or reflexology. It's just part of my self-care, like once a month. And that oil has kind of taken it to the next level. I love it. And it wasn't expensive it was just really accessible and so I want other people to be able to what's it called that oil can you remember yeah that oil is called Mahanaranan oil so in Ayurveda there's if you get into it and you're reading about it you'll see many different oils so I would say um just be mindful of what you're looking at Mahanaranan oil is specific to Vata there's herbs in that oil it's like a recipe if you like there's other oils in Ayurveda that for different things like heat and what and other things but the Mahanaranan oil is what you want. Equally, if you're not sure what's going on with that, you could just do it with sesame oil. So if you look up online organic sesame oil for skin, not, you know, what you're pouring in your pan, but like organic sesame oil equally is fine, is good um, to, to massage on. The only time I would say to um, seek out advice is if you have a skin condition going on like sesame oil, you know, you might need something else. But if there's no skin conditions going on, sesame oil is fine for everyone. Um, I presume not a nut allergy, though. Well, not a nut allergy, no. Yeah. no. Not if you're allergic to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ayurveda goes in on the oils. So coconut oil is also good for some people, but I wouldn't recommend that first because it is cooling and Vata doesn't always want cooling. Okay. Some people do want cooling, but I would say, yeah, Mahanaranan oil, if you can link it, that'd be great for people to see. But also if you're not able to see that link or you're not able to find it, organic sesame oil on the skin is great and calming especially if you're going through a period where anxiety is very much like front and center it's a very good practice to do you can just do 10 minutes a day into your limbs into your chest you can do it on a daily basis yeah I mean I'm just thinking like you know if you've had just we got that oil and you put it in a small little bottle and you had it on your desk and you can just give yourself like a hand massage for five minutes literally just massage you know your hands can you use it for like a Indian head scalp massage could you put that yeah yeah you could so again like everything in Ayurveda there's things you want to be wary of if you're suffering from like cold or congestion uh which is more in this kapha in Ayurveda I wouldn't be doing oil in the head because it can contribute to the congestion it's a bit too much but Otherwise, yeah, you can do that. Um, maybe seek advice out from a practitioner if you want to do oil on the head, but or go to someone. You know, I go to someone where I live in Manchester who does that authentic. You know, she's from Kerala in India. She does all the authentic treatments. You can find them here. You know, few and far between. I would I would look into um, if you're trying to look for someone to go to, look into like 
really what how they've learned and where they've learned to see how authentic it is. But yeah, you can find practitioners like that. Luckily for us, we can seek them out here, yeah. give them around. Oh, it's it's absolutely fascinating and I love it. And I just think even this small snippet that you've been able to offer to everybody. Just very quickly, I just, you know, before we finish, you mentioned um, the cooling of the coconut oil. And I'm just thinking anyone, women who are going through perimenopausal symptoms, especially at night, that the hot sweat, would you then bring in maybe some, something like coconut oil to, before bed to, to cool and calm? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things you could do for those hot sweats, actually. But yeah, coconut oil in the skin is going to be cooling. So this is why earlier when I said about, you know, understanding foods with whether they're hot, cooling, dry, cold, whatever they do is is helpful because you can then apply it to anything. So you can apply it to these oils. You can apply it to the way your days are. So coconut oil will be cooling. So we just need to make sure we are actually someone who needs that cooling down. If we're having hot sweats, yes for sure it might help and there's other things dietary wise that would be extremely powerful for hot sweats coriander seeds coriander seeds are super cooling so there's like a drink you can make with cor- so i'd say like if that's something you want to tackle and i know that can be really on a daily basis you know losing that sleep being up at night can be you know a big thing i would say seek out advice from an ayurvedic practitioner there's lots you can do to help that Amazing. Okay. So if anybody wanted to speak to you and they're having like a, a, an individual consultation, you do you work online? Yeah, I work online so I can see you yep, from wherever you are. Um, we'll do like an hour long chat usually to deep dive into what's going on, how your days are, how your life is. You know, it's very supportive kind of environment. Um, and then we work together on a plan and that's around diet things, like realistic things. Um maybe some Ayurvedic herbs if needed that you take on a daily basis. Just having a look, a really holistic look at um, how Ayurveda can realistically slot into your life and help you with whatever you've got going on. Fantastic. And what's your website, Lauren? It's um, my site's actually yogaclassesmanchester.com, but um, my email address is on there. Um, okay. My Instagram is lauren.theholisticway. So all my details are on there as well. Uh, That's where I hang out mostly on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes and anyone, you know, that wants to ask you any questions or have a consultation, they can get in touch. I really appreciate all this help. I think it's amazing and so empowering. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you found what you were looking for in this conversation and it has helped guide you towards some further self-healing, self-exploration and most importantly, self-acceptance. And if you have enjoyed this conversation and would like to experience more of my work, such as access to exclusive live workshops and opportunities for group coaching sessions, connecting with other like-minded women, and a general feeling of belonging, please come and check out my monthly membership, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I've made it as affordable as possible, and I offer you lots of resources and opportunities for connection and support from other women all around the world being diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. I'd absolutely love to see you there. All the details are in this episode's show notes or on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. See you in the next episode.